Keep pounding isn't just a slogan, it's a way of life. Ice up, son. Ice up. They want to be the very best that they can be in everything that they do. I think when you have that mentality in the locker room, you can be special. When you have it with your coaching staff, you can be really good. And when it starts with your owner and it starts with your GM, you can be memorable. If I'm moving someplace and we're doing this in Carolina, the first thing I care about is winning. The second thing I care about is winning. And the third thing I care about is you guys are smart. So you, you win a lot of ways, and I don't like to lose it anyway. guys welcome back to another episode of the 704 cast hope you guys enjoyed another sunday uh first sunday in a while of nfl football even though the uh, outcome was not what we hoped for as panthers fans uh, i'm your host matt wood and joining me is one half of the other part of our team uh wes harrison wes it is nice to have football back but in uh, traditional panthers fashion we are left frustrated these days outside of that which we'll dive into and break it down here in just a few minutes uh, how was your uh, sunday full of nfl football it was pretty good uh i know no one cares about my fantasy team but um teams I went, sure I, went, I went one and two this week um I'm, I'm rebuilding in, in in a keeper league that i'm in so that league is going to possibly not win a game except maybe against one or two of the other rebuilding teams so we're in a rebuilding effort there so we're, we're like the panthers in that in in that um sense but uh i mean i just i just wanted to sit on the couch and veg out and watch football all day that's all i wanted to do and that's what i did it was great um red zone during the one o'clock game i had the panthers on the big screen red zone on my tablet. And then um, for the four o'clock games, I just turned red zone on. So it was, it was a lot of fun. As a sports fan, I mean, red zone might be one of the greatest inventions ever. It, yeah. I wish it, every sport had it. MLB is, I think, trying to come up with something similar of like the, um, like a, something similar to like a score in scoring position type of thing. And I've, I've long said they needed to do it, but that's, that's pretty cool. And then you, I haven't actually watched it cause I just, just watched the Braves game for, for the most part, but I think they're trying to replicate it. Um, ba- basketball should do something with like uh, one or two possession games. I, it's it just, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, I thought MLB tried to do it a couple of years ago, but I, I mean, it was just on MLB TV, so it wasn't like it, it was going to catch on. But I think they would do a lot for the popularity of that sport because, I mean, you can sit there on a Sunday and just turn Red Zone on and not change the channel or not not move, you know, for the next seven eight hours, uh, you know, and not miss anything. You feel like you watched every single game, which is is crazy, and it's very helpful. At least. You know, for anybody out there who plays fantasy sports, I mean, you probably, you know, watch Red Zone, but it's the, it's the best way to see how teams use players and, and making sure you don't miss a snap. But 
you know, it seems like all the chaos happened yesterday at four o'clock. I mean, that's when uh, the Saints ending was happening. Uh, the Cincinnati Steelers. I mean, that thing was that was that was nuts. And then obviously our ending all back to back to back. I mean, it's it's impossible to catch everything. That's why having red zones is such a, a luxury. But uh, anyways, um, yeah, I had a nice Sunday. Was was at the game. Tailgate was fine. Weather uh, just goes to show you that you don't listen to meteorologists these days. I think it was an 80% chance of rain on Friday uh, for the forecast on Sunday. Saturday, it trickled down to 50%. And then yesterday morning when I woke up, it was 0% chance, just cloudy. And then, I mean, my God, I mean, it was, they said it was 84 in the stadium, but it felt more like 95 uh, with the sun just beating down on you. So, yeah, just goes to show that uh, meteorologists can be wrong and not have any repercussions. Kind so, of like, um, Kind of like our coach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the uh, the Panthers' uh, late comeback uh, fell short as the Browns kicked a game-winning uh, 57-yard field goal. Cade York, the rookie from Cleveland, the fourth-round draft pick. I mean, he was out there nailing them from 63-65 in pregame. So, I mean, the guy's a, he's a stud. I mean, that's what you get at a fourth-round pick. But, yeah, um, Panthers rallied 17 points in the uh, uh, the fourth quarter. Came all the way back to take the lead with a little bit over a minute left. The Browns went down the field and, like I said, ended up kicking the game-winning field goal with a little bit of help from the officials. But we should have never been in that situation to begin with, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But Cleveland ran all over us, like we said last week. If you you stop the run, you win the game. We didn't stop the run. Didn't even look like we even prepared for it. So that's that's where it is. Nick Chubb goes for uh, 22 carries for 141 yards. Cleveland ends up rushing for a team of uh, for a team total of 217 yards. Like I said, Nick Chubb leading the way. Kareem Hunt dished in with 11 carries for 46 yards. Jacoby Brissett did nothing but just not lose in the game. Uh, 18 for 34 for 147 yards and one touchdown pass, which went to Kareem Hunt uh, as he was lining up at fullback, went to the right side of the end zone. That's pretty much it from from Cleveland. They they didn't respect the Panthers' run defense at all. It was pretty evident early on. Uh, Nick Chubb was doing whatever he wanted to, getting whatever he wanted. Cleveland was playing with their third string right tackle, and it still didn't make much of a difference. Cleveland ran the ball to the left side. They were running to the uh, to the to the pylons, pretty much. I mean, they were running to the to the uh, sidelines, and most of the time, if you you watch early on in the game. They were running to the left side, which is where they had their starters at, you know, the, the first string guys. And it's basically like we didn't game plan for it at all. Uh, we'll reca- recap a little bit more, but Wes, to touch on uh, some opening thoughts here, uh, anything that I didn't mention or your thoughts on just uh, how we – the lack of preparation for for the run or the, the, the Cleveland offense. Um. First, I think York's kick might have been good from 75 yards. Looking at that thing go in, that might have been the best kick I've ever seen, especially in a pressure situation. I mean, that, I mean, that was that was absolutely insane. Um, good for him, I suppose. Uh, um, but uh, one, Matt Rule must listen to the podcast because we said you've got to keep uh, CMC's touches to a reasonable amount, and he sure did that. Um, so that's that's my first thought there, and and actually, if Matt Rule listened to the podcast, uh, I probably would have a restraining order out yeah, against me. Yeah, but they, they but me and trying to uh, revoke my PSL. <laughs> but um, 
I mean, it comes down to the uh, surprise that the Browns tried to run all over us and we, for whatever reason, weren't prepared. Um, I mean, everyone knew that was going to be their game plan, especially with the weather forecast, especially with Jacoby, uh, especially with the fact that they have two guys who would probably be top 10 running backs in the league if they were on different teams. Um, so it should uh, – mind blown that – we went into another offseason coming out with a terrible run defense, didn't address it, and then didn't come into this game with a plan to try and slow them down at all. Yeah, the, the, the lack of being able to set the edge, that was pretty evident early on. I mean, you have uh, Etor Gross Matos and Brian Burns started out there, and it didn't matter who was out there. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll talk about Derek Brown more in a minute, but, I mean, he, he was – he might as well have been not even been out there. He was non-existent in the in the stopping the run. I mean, he was getting pushed all over the place. I mean, you go back and watch the game, and I mean, he he's nowhere to be found. Yeah, I mean, and I'll add, Ionitis looked pedestrian as well on the on on the line, and really anybody we put out there that wasn't Brian Burns on on the line didn't didn't play very well, and. I'm amazed Burns played as well as he could. He did with the fact that they could probably just focus. They could probably double him all day long and not worry about anybody else beating him. So, yeah. Um, you know, so at the start of the game, it was pretty much just back and forth where we're just swapping field position. Uh, Panthers punted their first two, or excuse me, first three possessions. Uh, Browns punted their first. Uh, excuse me, their two of their three first possessions, they turned it over on downs because they went for it on fourth down, which they do did several times uh, this game. You know, uh, they turned third and eight into fourth and two, fourth and one, uh, and, and then they would either sneak it or run and pick it up. Uh, Jacoby uh, missed, I believe, Donovan Peoples-Jones on the right sideline uh, on that turnover on downs. But pretty much – that's what it was. It, it was trading field position early on. Uh, the Browns caught a, a break uh, on their fourth drive where uh, Baker had thrown through a pick and set the Browns up with good field position. Uh, Shy Smith came across the middle. Baker just sailed it. Uh, Shy could have ran the wrong route by the looks of it, looking back on it, but it doesn't matter. Baker still sailed the ball. Uh, it was just a bad throw. Um Pretty much the, the thing early on, at least on the offensive with our offensive side of the ball with the Panthers was uh, the balls were getting batted down at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm not sure. Baker said that he needed to find better windows to throw the ball, but the offensive line probably should have pushed those guys back more. I mean, you're taught if you put your hands up to put your hands in their chest and drive them back. I don't know. Uh, any uh, bobble snaps. Um, there was a few of those. There was four and a couple of those were bad snaps from Pat Elfline. Once again, that goes back to Baker taking the majority of his snaps during preseason with Bradley Bozeman. Bozeman was active yesterday um, after recovering for his injury. Could have been 80%. Who knows if he was fully healthy or not. Panthers decided to go with Pat Elfline, which was uh, interesting. Pat didn't have a bad day uh, outside of the bobble snaps. I think he ended up grading out like a 69 from PFF, which ended up being the highest as far as Panthers linemen go. So, uh, I, I mean, we're not Pat, Pat Elfline fans by any means. Bradley Bozeman's coming from a run-first uh, offense from Baltimore. Obviously, the better the better selection. Um, Baker has a rapport with him. But then again, that probably shouldn't have been even an issue if you didn't have a fake quarterback competition in camp 
anyways, I don't want to get on, on that tangent because God knows where that could lead. Back to the game. Um, this was uh, on the same drive. That's when uh, C.J. Henderson had his pass interference in the end zone, setting up uh, the ball on the one-yard line, which led to the passing touchdown to Kareem Hunt. Honestly, it's, it, it's a bonehead play by C.J., and, and outside of that, C.J. played pretty damn good yesterday. I think he played better than, than Dante, uh, but that ball would have been interception intercepted regardless. Xavier Woods made the right uh, right read on it, but C.J. lost the ball, ended up making contact with Amari Cooper in the end zone. That set up the Browns at the one-yard line for an easy touchdown to Kareem Hunt. Uh, Wes, what do you think about uh, that series and, and literally the first quarter really uh, outside of, uh, like I said, the main thing that ended up costing us uh, in that set of plays was the, was the C.J. Inter- um, excuse me, the C.J. Uh, pass interference. My thoughts on early in the game, um, I had some thoughts on holistic, but it, but I'll, I'll leave it to, to early in the first quarter. Um, the The rhythm was not there for the offense, and, and it looked like an offense that hadn't been taken enough snaps together in the preseason. And it it sh- it just it's something we talked about in the group chat, and, and I think we mentioned it a little bit last week, is that uh, the fake quarterback competition that he created cost Baker – snaps with the first team it cost baker time getting to know this offense it cost baker getting rapport with dj with robbie with christian with all of them and it showed that was an a, just an awful offensive first quarter and first half as a whole and then you pair that with the ability to not stop the run they dominated time of possession in that first half and your defense is going to run down against a run def- a run offense like that like that that's part of what they want they want you off the field quick so they can they can do that and, and so it's just the, like I talked about last week when I was scared of the rain and the game, game script and how they would, would play that. It played out like that in a 90 degree sunny day because they were able to dominate the line of scrimmage and really on both sides. But um, on top of that, the offense just wasn't, couldn't get in a rhythm early. And, and that's, uh, to me, that comes down to reps. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what the game plan was on those opening opening drives. There was a lot of passes that were either at the line of scrimmage or behind it, trying to set up the screen game. Uh, the one to Robbie Anderson on third and fifteen on the on the first series, uh, the one to McCaffrey that uh, ended up losing yards that put them in the third and fifteen. Just not in a good rhythm. A lot of balls getting batted down. Um, Baker had trouble with a few snaps, like we said. Just uh, just just not on the same page. It's just looking like they just didn't have a lot of snaps that that was needed with this first team offense. And that's what we said in the preseason. And Wes, you just echoed it is that these guys needed snaps together and they needed time together. The guy's been here for, you know, 40, 60 days, maybe. And in 80% of that time, he was in a fake quarterback competition. So he, he lost meaningful uh, reps. And then rule was asked, asked about it today. Um, you know, when he, when he mentioned that, you know, the guy's only been here for 30 or 40 days. Well, you know, you didn't maximize the opportunity that he had to, to get him reps with the first team. So that comes back to you. I mean, it comes back to you as a coach. And, and I'm going to add this. At what point does it not come back to rule anymore? And does it come back to Tepper for letting rules still be there? Like, I understand it's still rules decision. It's his job. But when, when is Tepper going to say as enough is enough? We're a joke of, we're a joke of a franchise at this point. 
they they showed him there in the second quarter where he's just shaking there. his head. Yeah, yeah, shaking his head. But what are you shaking his head about? Like this is what you you chose to put this out there. I mean, it's not. Look, look, the game plan got better, and and I we'll talk about this when we get to the fourth quarter. And I think McAdoo was dialed in really, but you know the the same mistakes and these you know day to day issues that your coach gets questions on. I mean, they're not going anywhere. This is this is what he's he's done for year three. I mean, it's just show, he's showing you who he is, and I mean, this is what you choose chose to spend your money on. How about this? Last year, he force-fed down our throat that he wanted to run the ball 30, 40 times a game, whatever the number was. I don't remember. And then the comment yesterday after the game was that teams that win in this league pass the ball, and we were trying to set that up, and that's why we didn't get Christian the ball. The hell – or was that today that he said that? I can't even remember. Yeah, he, he, said, it, he said it today, and, and, I mean, the numbers aligned with that with 75% of McCaffrey, like, you know, I think being – involved on on routes run or whatever uh but we said on this very very podcast last year when rule was making those dumb comments that this is a passing league it's not a, it's not a rushing league anymore and you're not going to win the game by running the football and and then now he turns you know a different tone and and says that oh it's a you have to throw the ball you know 30 times if you want to win the game yeah just say that sam you couldn't win the game with sam doing that and and that's fine you that's that should be the correct answer i mean i know you probably can't say that, you know, as a coach, but that's the real reason and stop trying to sell us this bullshit. And, and that's exactly what it's snake oil salesman. It's that he's not, it's just ridiculous. And I'm tired of, I'm tired of it. But at the end of the day, even with Baker, Christian is the best player on the field by leaps and bounds. When you're on offense, he shouldn't go into half three touches, two carries, one target. I agree, and a lot of that has to come down to you know time of possession. Um, you know, you you look at the first half, and we didn't do ourselves any any favor. We didn't give ourselves a chance to to set up the run. Next thing you know, I mean, we're down fourteen nothing, and at that point, you're you have a four minutes left in the half to go to the hill. You can't set up you can't set up the run in four minutes uh, at the end of a half, and then Cleveland opens up the second half, getting the ball back, and they go down. They they run what felt like eight minutes off the clock before we even got the ball. So anyways, before the half, you know, that's cream, uh, cream hunt bust one for 24 yards. Boom. Down 14, nothing. Baker gets the ball back, goes down the field. Ian Thomas had a nice uh, 30 yard reception. Uh, I think that's probably the best he's been schemed open in his time here. Uh, I've never seen Ian Thomas that wide open. He almost took it. Uh, for a touchdown if he wasn't tackled at the two-yard line, I believe it was. Um, and then McCaffrey ends up punching it in to make it 14-7 uh, before Cleveland gets the ball back, goes on the field, kicks a field goal, and we're going in the halftime down 17-7. And Chris McCaffrey has three touches as we're going into half. That's, yeah. that's, that's not ideal at all. I will say this. I – pick any of us that listen to or are on this podcast. I think we're faster than Ian Thomas. Yeah. Right, he, now, right now. That, <laughs> that, that was not encouraging. Ian was a guy who, I mean, he hasn't played football for that long, but coming out of Indiana, he was considered athletic upside tight end pass catcher. This and that hasn't been a great pass catching tight end. Hasn't been a really a great tight end period. Um, but it was nice to see him, him haul that in and, and, I mean, almost take it all the way, but yeah, he got ran down by the the safety. So, I mean, you know, you think 
he probably could have stiffed armed him, but uh, that was 50 of his 53 yards on the day. Correct. Yeah, two catches on that one. Um, Cleveland uh, looking ahead to the third quarter. They open it up with a with a cage work field goal. I don't remember if this is the drive or not where they were going to go for it on fourth down. Uh, and then you could just seem like they were just trying to draw us off sides. And we end up taking a timeout and they kick a field goal. I can't remember if that's the one or not. I'll have to go back and watch the game. I can't remember if that was 20 to set the one that got us to 20 to seven, or if that was the one that got us 23, 14. I cannot, I don't remember which one it was. Yeah. Uh, at that point, after that drive and the next punt, that's when some of the fans from the upper level started to leave. I mean, and no, no surprise at that point that. I, I had pretty much at that point to get to 23, 14, the second field goal there. Or no, sorry, twenty to seven. At twenty to seven, I had pretty much given up all hope. Then um, we put together a pretty good looking drive. Yeah, going back and ju- and just reading through uh, the plays on this. I mean, that the so the one that ended up setting up to make it twenty to fourteen. Uh, that's the drive that we started at the end of the third, which. Uh, Cat was capped off by a, a Baker Mayfield seven-yard rushing touchdown uh, with 12 minutes to go in the game, make it a 20-14 a, a to 14 game. Uh, Cleveland, after that score, we couldn't stop them. They go down the field. Uh, a lot of a lot of more rushing yards, a lot more Nick Chubb. Uh, and, by the way, Nick Chubb had 11 uh, forced missed tackles on that game. I want to say, say, say they had 180-some yards after contact, I believe, is the number. That's what I saw today. 180. For some reason, 183 sticking out in my head. I don't know why, but it was it was somewhere around that that mark that they had after contact in that game. You could you could see it. I mean, um, Jack Thompson, Brian Burns, those the, those guys, the corners, J.C. Horn, and they didn't they had been ran over by Nick Chubb pretty much the entire game, and they just didn't want any of it by the end of it. I mean, he had missed tackle after missed tackle. I mean, he was hurdling uh, our defenders. He was, uh, you know, getting three and four extra yards. I mean, how many third and third and fours did we have him stop uh, short of the the first down? And then he ends up breaking a tackle and falling forward, and he gets it by two or three yards. It just seemed like it was it was over and over and over again. Yeah, and oh. so then so when they when they drove down and we couldn't stop them yet again and got that field goal, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, it's like. You're, you're you're giving the game away by just letting them run all over you. And then next play, Robbie, 75 yards deep, um, busted coverage. I mean, Baker made a hell of a throw on it. Um, gave me some hope. Yeah. I mean, first the first play, uh, it was schemed up perfect. I mean, Robbie, uh, Robbie, 75-yard touchdown, ends up making it 23-21. Stadium was into it. The fans were back into it. And hell of a throw by Baker. I mean, we, we haven't had a quarterback able to make that throw in, what, two, since 2017, I would say. Before the shoulder injury. Give or so. take 2018, 2018, pre-shoulder injury, pre, pre-Steelers game. That's probably the last time. But, yeah, I mean, hell of a throw by Baker. Busted coverage. I mean, the Browns' whole defensive philosophy is to not get beat deep and then – they ended up just just having a broken coverage and and Baker took advantage of it. And it was it was nice to to get back into the game. 23-21, you force a punt uh immediately on the defensive series. After that, Panthers drive down. Um 
this is where McAdoo, I think, really started to get into his zone here with uh, the DJ Moore uh, 26-yarder. Then uh, McCaffrey takes it down, and uh, I believe it was for 21 yards. She tack on an extra 15 for the personal foul after that. So then that puts us on the on the 15-yard line. First and 10, you can still get first and goal, uh, but I, I, that that's 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 where I, it seems like they just after that botch snap, it just seems like they gave up and they just did. Yeah. They were playing playing not to get a first down and try and it just it was ugly, man. That you get a first down there, game is over. You you they basically they over. played not to lose it, they didn't play to win, and I think right exactly yeah. they they thought they could if they thought with a minute left they could stop them because it wasn't run game anymore, it was pass game at that point that they and it just that that's if you can overlook all the 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 game plan deficiencies of not stopping the run all day, that's where you lose the game for that's that right there, not getting a first down on that drive on that last set of downs. So you look at that uh, botch snap on first down. Baker takes that snap under center. Uh, the next two snaps are in the shotgun. Simple handoffs look like they were just fine, just trying to run clock out, making Cleveland use uh, timeouts. Cleveland burns two timeouts. I don't, uh, I don't think they burned all three. They burned two. Uh, Eddie Pinheiro kicks the field goal. Uh, we kick off. Cleveland goes down the field with, with one timeout. Uh, they used a timeout on the first play of the, the drive, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, and this is where this is where the questionable stuff starts happening. So Brian Burns ends up getting pressure and and driving Jedrick Wills into Jacoby Brissett. They end up calling rough of the passer, saying that he hit Jacoby Brissett in the in the helmet, in the the face, the head. Uh, attack on fifteen yards. That takes him almost to midfield to the fifty when that occurs. That. Right there was a big turning point. Brian Burns said he, uh, I believe, after the game that he hadn't had a chance to watch it, but didn't know what he did wrong. Said that it was a move he had been setting up the whole day. Now, obviously, it worked. He drove Wills back. That that I think that one is more damning than the fake spike uh, later because I mean the York's kick probably would have been good from seventy. So both were wrong calls. Um, the fake spike, I don't. It, expect someone to catch that in real time without it being slowed down to be completely honest with you the um, funny thing is is that they did catch it and called it correctly and then when the ref picked it up he explained the foul correctly saying why it should have been called but said that that's why he picked it up i don't know but at the end of the day in real time i don't know that that gets called correctly in most games i, I just don't um we can Monday morning quarterback it in slow-mo all day long. So yeah, there's that. But then uh, the, the Burns one was worse, but at the end of the day, like I said, you shouldn't have been in that position. It shouldn't have been, we should have been able to stop the run all day and we should have been able to run the clock out and get that field goal without giving the ball back to them or scoring a touchdown. So it's just, I understand being frustrated by those calls, but that's not what lost us the game. I'm going to touch on that series real quick, but that's about that's the only time all day that I remember Phil Snow dialing up blitzes that we were accustomed to seeing last year where they're coming from weird angles. He sent J.C. Horn twice, I believe, on that last series. Um, J.C. almost got there but didn't get home, um, which, you know, sack would have been huge. 
But that's something that we didn't see a lot of because you're scheming for the run and it still didn't matter. I mean, you know, he, he didn't show a lot of different variety in the blitzes that we're accustomed to seeing. And I think that that was pretty damning until late in the game. And, you know, we gifted him, like I said, 15 yards. I mean, what? It, I, you, you, I don't know. Yeah. So to not dwell on that drive a, a ton, I've got something – that I about the offense as a whole too, and the game plan and the lack of rep for Baker, 180, roughly 184 of your yards. Your total yardage was two, uh, 280, roughly 280, 180 of it came on five plays. You go back and look and see how, you know, how things are schemed up. 180 of 280 came on five plays and 125 of that came on two plays. I mean, we, we got absolutely killed with time of possession and just I mean, 27 pass attempts to Jacoby's 34, uh, 39 rush attempts to our 19 team total. Yeah. So, I mean, you're looking at Rob, Rob you take away Robbie Anderson's big catch. We, we don't, I mean, we, walk out of there with uh, 210 total team yards. You take, yeah, away I mean, Ian's, you take away Ian's big catch on top of that, you walk out 160 team yards. I mean, those obviously happen, but you that's that can't be uh, – big plays are going to happen in, in certain types of offenses, and this is one of them, but you've got to have better sustained, sustained drives and sustained offense than that. Especially with the, this defense and the way they play, and how it's not a beefy run-stopping defense. It's a it's a fast defense that will wear out. Yeah, and, and it all starts from up front. I mean, the the whole offseason. I mean, people were talking about how this line's improved, or you know how this defense is supposed to be, you know, improved. But I mean, you look at it on paper, and where do you think that the defense up front is improved on? Nowhere. You you lost a double digit sack guy in Hassan Reddick. You cut Davian Nixon and you you bring him back. But I mean that's another thing. I mean what does Phil Hoskins bring that that Davian Nixon couldn't yesterday? Because he didn't make a, a difference at all. I mean I'm not the biggest Bravion Roy fan, but he did a couple nice things and you know was at least hustling out there. And, and I know he had one nice tackle uh, late uh, on the running back to stop uh, stop still. Uh, I mean excuse me uh, yard a gain, but there is nothing in the front seven to make you think that this defense is improved. If it's anywhere, it's in the secondary. And, I mean, the secondary can only hold on for five seconds at a time before somebody's going to get open. So, I mean, and you had all offseason to scheme for this team in the last few months to know that you're going to scheme for them without Deshaun Watson, you know, for sure. And it looked like you didn't game plan for it at all. And they clearly didn't respect your ability to stop the run by going for it on fourth down and continuing to run the ball over and over and knowing that they're going to get it. I mean, it's third and eight and they're running the ball and they're going to get the first down. I think that's where the biggest frustration frustration for me is, is that you, you know, you knew all offseason what this was going to be and and what you needed to do to, to win the football game. And you didn't do it from a game plan perspective. Yep. Um, while we're kind of talking in holistically, um, Corey couldn't make it, but he did send his thoughts on the game. So I figured I'd, I'd pepper those in now. 
So his first thought was he was really upset with the defensive front. Um, basically, same thing Corey Matt was just talking about when we knew what they were going to do all game long. That was like so that. That was kind of why I wanted to bring in Corey's thoughts there. He said Icky will be fine. He's going to grow and get better. That's the best pass rusher in the league. Yeah. Um, hate Elf starting. We touched on that a little bit at the beginning. Elf actually graded out pretty well. Um, the snap chemistry wasn't there with Baker, but as far as blocking goes, nothing was because of Elf. But, I mean, this is a team that was always going to bring pressure from the edges, not, not interior. Um, and one thing that we didn't do last year that, that he said he was happy with was the adjustments F later in the game because we, we did seem to adjust in the second half, but just unimpressed with the game plan going into the game. Yeah, third quarters was a, was a thing that killed us last year, and it was nice to see that we didn't – I mean, we didn't score in the third, but we also – we didn't lose ourselves the game in the third. So I will say that that was a nice adjustment to see. Uh, to touch on to Baker's play real quick, which we haven't mentioned, but, you know, the first half was awful. Um, you know, batted balls, fumbled snaps, just not in a good rhythm. Came out second half, and, and especially the fourth quarter, was just a completely different player. Uh, Baker was making some nice throws. Uh, I really – can't think off the top of my head in those last two drives. Obviously, the Robbie one was just that one play. But I mean, I don't, I don't know if he threw an incompletion uh, on that last uh, drive down the field. So definitely was was nice to see him bounce back from the first half that he had. Let us down the field, took the lead. I mean, Baker did everything that he needed to do for us to win the football game when it when it counted. And last year, if you think that Sam or you know, PJ, for that matter, would have done that for us. Then, you know, it's not something that that would have happened last year. When we were down, this team, when it was down 20 to seven last year, you would have just, they would have just mailed it in, sent it home. That's it. So that is the one encouraging thing for, at least for, for me, um, when it comes to the, you know, how the game shook out and, and some positives to take away from this, uh, you know, Robbie, like I said, majority of his yards came on that, that long touchdown pass, but a, hey, it's nice to see Robbie in, in, you know, hundred yard territory again. And, and, and Ian Thomas, I mean, like I said, another long play, but still something we would have not seen last year. So the the frustrating side on the offensive side of the ball is, is not establishing the run. This line is a better run blocking team than it is a pass blocking team. And especially early on with the defensive front of Cleveland, you know that the a lot of the pressure is going to come from the edge and the, and the middles, you know, their soft spot on the interior. But when you, you know, have 30 minutes of time possession to, 15, you don't really get a chance to establish the run, especially when you're trailing for the entire game. Yeah. And then one other just absolutely mind-blowing thing that I'm going to point out, three receivers got snap share this week. Three. After we decided to make our receiving room seven deep, um, this elite that I was told receiver room of ours saw three people get snaps. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Shai Smith are the ones that Wes are alluding to. Rashard Higgins and Terrace Marshall were both active but received zero snaps yesterday. LaVisca Chenault, who was recently acquired, former second-round draft pick out of Colorado, was inactive. And Roberts only punt returned and kick yeah, returned. Special teams. That was it. Which, which is he going to be okay for next week? Uh, I know there was some concern over the injury. I really didn't even see it. To be 100% honest with you, didn't I, I missed it. Uh, I guess it's because I didn't see him field a punt return after that last one. Uh, and I, I really didn't catch anything there being, it, being inside the stadium. 
So I, I definitely I think I saw that. a tweet today that rule said he was concerned about it. Let me double check. Um, shifting to the defensive side of the ball, Brandon Smith did not receive a single defensive snap at all. All of his snaps came on special teams. I know he was uh, a late addition to the injury report late in the week and some questions surrounding whether he was going to play or not. Don't know how much that factored in, but still moving forward, a guy who Phil Snow has talked very highly of and who has had a, a great preseason um, need to uh, see how that shakes out going into New York especially with Frankie Louvu leading the linebacker core in snaps. Uh, I think he played 68 snaps. Shaq had 60, and then Damian Wilson were down in somewhere in the 30s with uh, Corey Littleton following that with uh, 26, I believe. Linebacking core, that's uh, that's uh, an area of concern for me, at least, not seeing Shaq. I mean, Shaq, for example, not – I know he had the offseason uh, surgery. He battled injuries. Did not look like the Shaq that we saw last year where he had that breakout game in the season opener and continued to carry that throughout the season. Not there. Shaq had six tack- six total tackles. Pretty uh, MIA when it comes to stopping the run. Just not not feeling great about the linebacking core. I mean, Frankie Louvu did some nice things, but outside of that, not not feeling great about where the spot that they're, they are right now. To follow up, found the tweet. On the injury front, Matt Rule says the Panthers walked away pretty injury-free with the exception of Andre Roberts. His knee could be an issue. Doesn't have full confirmation yet, but is discouraged Roberts would be available this Sunday. And you will see Shai Smith back there if I had to guess. I guess that that would be the the pivot, just thinking off the top of my head. Uh, To address the wide receiver thing, yeah, I I know McAdoo runs a lot of stuff with two tight ends, but still not – cycling at least Rashard Higgins in there with the rapport him and Baker have and with, uh, you know, how good of a camp in preseason he's had. That's uh, that's a little bit head-scratching there for me. I, I don't get it. I mean, I know Shai Smith's had a hell of a preseason by all reports. Uh, didn't look bad yesterday. I mean, still only hauled in, you know, one catch for 12 yards, 40-some snaps. Still would like to see a little bit more of a mix in there to see what possibly they could give you. Not that it probably would have been much of a difference maker but still you, you have these guys uh why not get them out there i mean you terrace second round draft pick okay if he's falling out of favor you're not going to try to get any any value for him if you don't put him on the field richard you're paying him you gave up draft compensation for lavisca and he's inactive and i get it's week one he's only been here for a couple weeks but still you know it's some some things some areas concern some decision making that you know just makes you scratch your head trust the process yeah, I mean, that's that's what we hear. Uh, not going to get too much in, at least me, I'm not going to get too much into the fire rule shit because if you're firing a coach after week one, then you should have just done it last year and save yourself the embarrassment. Teams that fire coaches after week one, it's you're in disarray. I mean, you fire them after week three, I guess you try to like salvage the season, but if you're starting 0-3, the odds of making the playoffs historically are not in your favor. Yeah, I mean, I'll do the fire rule shit um, because I've been doing it for a year and a half now. He's terrible. Um, I know they're not going to fire him after one game, but you start out 0-3 or 0-4, he's gone. But uh, to me, I don't see – after this loss, I, I mean, we, we talked about this was, this was crucial to even getting to the, the 8-9 and nine ceiling I had on the team, to be honest – and you don't get that one. You go into next week against the Giants team who's going to have the exact same game plan against you after they just put up 238 on the ground this in week one. 
they're going to do the exact same thing to you. Um, so if you go into there, you go into um, the Arizona game against a team that didn't look great this week, but it's probably not double XP weekend. So um, I'm going to chalk that up as a loss too. So you go 0-3, rule, rule C is hotter than hot. And I'm not sure he's still here, but what you do is you give the defense to Wilkes, you give the offense to McAdoo, co-head coach, you pick one as the head coach. I don't really care. And you try and turn the culture around for next year. You let all the free agents walk and you tear it down and do it the rebuild the right way. Pick a, pick a young offensive-minded coach. And, and you're going to hear this a couple more times probably because they're not going to fire rule yet. But, God, I am tired of it. I'm tired of watching him coach this team. And at this point, I'll, I'll like I said before, I'll blame Tepper because it's on Tepper for letting this shit continue another year. All I'll say is I, I don't think he was as bad yesterday as he was last year at times because there were several things from a game management perspective last year that were a, a lot worse. Um, yesterday, I, I think the only, only gripe that I have myself is just about personnel decisions. I, I think, you know, with, with players and snap counts with McCaffrey, I mean, him getting 14 total touches is – I mean, he's the high, one of the highest paid players in the league and the, the best weapon that you have. And for him to get 14 touches and DJ Moore to get, uh, what, four or five? I think four. Um, you know, I, I just I – don't, I don't really understand that, at least the McCaffrey stuff. I know you're trying to limit his touches, and that's all fine and good. But still, you didn't establish the run. You're, you're going back on what you said last year about it. You know, you have to run the football, you know, 20 to 30 times to win in this league. And now you're saying it's a, it's a passing league. Just what? What? And, and Chuba's a, uh, awful, awful. Yeah, I mean, you, you signed Dante Foreman. You signed Richard Higgins. Those are the things I'm talking about. Like, you sign these guys in the offseason, but you, you fail to use them. And it's not like Dante Foreman, you know, contributed a lot yesterday. He had seven carries. But it's the fact that, like, why did, why did you sign these guys if you're not planning on using them at all? I mean, I think we got so far behind the game script early that, you know, it was too late to establish the run at that point. You know, like I said, 36 minutes or 30 minutes to 16 minutes. I mean, it's just ridiculous, especially when you're down two scores, to think that you can do that. It's To me, I think I'm more pissed at Phil Snow than I am at Rule after yesterday especially after his yards per carry tangent that he went on earlier this week in, in the press conference and, you know, said that was the focus. Well, Nick, Nick Chubb just came in here and averaged eight yards a carry. So, you know, that, that argument's out the window, especially with the way you scheme things up. I mean, damn it. I mean, you, you couldn't stop anything and you, they, they were running to the left and you knew it and it still didn't matter. I don't know. Those that's that's a game that you should win if they had a, a decent quarterback back there uh, for the Browns. I mean, it could have been a damn blowout. Uh, I'll say that if they had Deshaun Watson back there, I mean, it, it, it could have been. And if if they had played if they had played any decent football in the first half, it would have been reachable in the second half. The Browns, that is, like if they had played okay in the first half, but they played like they they didn't play great either. People overreact and talking about, well, JC's an average corner at best. I think a lot of people need to realize that he, this was his third full game in the NFL and he went against one of the best route runners 
in the league in Amari Cooper, and he still held him for to three catches for 16 yards. JC was fine. I mean, you could tell he was a little rusty. He was, but he was fine. It, there was nothing. I have no gripes on JC. Um, the only gripe, like you said, the secondary is a hold with with Woods. Woods was great, um, and CJ was great. Aside from the penalty, the secondary as a whole, I thought was pretty good. Um, I, th- I still think Dante is uh, pretty overrated, but um, as your third corner, he's fine. Two holds on JC. That's that's about all I can gripe about. I mean, really, that's that's it. I mean, yeah, they were they were pretty costly at the time, but third third full game against Amari Cooper and held in a three catch of sixteen yards. I don't care who was throwing the ball back there. I mean, that's that's it's really damn good. Secondary as a, as a whole, like you said, Dante not great. CJ, I think he did some good things with only getting thirty some snaps uh Xavier Woods was was pretty damn good back there as well he played 79 snaps only missed one and obviously Jeremy Chin didn't come off the field yeah I mean Chin was Chin Burns was Burns Woods looked great um Horn was fine those are your those are your standouts those are the ones those are your top four on defense um the linebacking core mediocre and not a plus not a minus I don't think and except maybe doing a little better job of, of filling your gaps on the run. Um, but the, 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 the big problem lies with the other front three that aren't Brian Burns. When you're not getting home, not getting pressure on your defensive front, I don't know how you expect to win games in this league. Yeah, and I mean, we are seeing a theme with this team, it, high draft picks that aren't contributing. Um, Terrace. Derek Brown, but Derek Derek Brown, uh, YGM. I mean, it's it's a theme with this team. Where it, the, the the talent development is 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 certainly lacking. Um, so. Derek Brown was drafted seventh overall, one pick behind Justin Herbert. Okay, Marty Herney, yeah, by all accounts, back then was a big Justin Herbert guy, and there was talk of belief if he if he fell that they would end up drafting him. Anyways, Derek Brown coming out of college was considered a, a hell of a run stopper. Um, and since he's been here, he really hasn't shown that. All he needed to be was really what Star was. Uh, Star Lotulele, they got him in that draft. He fell due to a heart issue that was rumored out there. I don't think anything ever came out of it. They ended up taking Quan short in the second round. So they got their, their pass rusher and they got their run stopper. And it worked out. It was just fine. Since Derek Brown's been here, he hasn't shown me anything that makes me that believe that he has the ability to even contribute what Star did for that start in 2013 defense. You know, and previous years before that, we got gutted by the run. Star came in. It made a difference right away. Since Derek Brown's been here, our run defense has probably gotten worse over the last two years. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it was terrible all of last year. And if at this pace, obviously you're playing against a team that will be probably be top five in the league in rushing, but at this pace, we're going to be uh, worse than last year. Um, I mean, looking at the schedule, you're going to have some, some pass heavy teams, the Cardinals, the Rams, the Bengals, I don't know. You 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 look at this and you're okay. So you have you have to deal with Saquon next week. You have to deal with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram the week after that. Then you 
catch a little bit of a break since Elijah Mitchell got banged up yesterday, but you still have to worry about uh, Trey Lance's legs and uh, Kyle Shanahan's ability to scheme up uh, opens openings for pretty much anybody. You can put a janitor back there and he's, he's going to get open. Uh, so you're looking at Jeff Wilson and, and whoever else that they may uh, deploy. Then you got James Conner coming in the week after that. So that's, that's a tough stretch right there. If you don't figure this out, you could be looking at 0-5, and this team is better on paper than an 0-5 start. I'll do you even, even better here. You can't beat the Giants and the Saints. You've got the Cardinals, 49ers, Rams, and Bucks. You're looking at 0-7. If you can't, if you can't win one, one or both of these next two games, I, we're we're being like this, and it's really just because of what we saw against the run yesterday, right? I, I, but that's, that's I mean, because really the Giants are going to run. Uh, the Giants are a team we should beat, but if they run all over us, they can beat us. The Saints, I think, are a team that we should beat. Atlanta was, it's, who's not going to be good this year, should have beat them yesterday. But guess what? Kamara and Ingram, it's a good run, run duo. Yeah, you have uh, Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas uh, on that on that Giants run line. That's arguably a, a top five run blocking line in the league. Uh, Saquon surely sure looked healthy and looked like the Saquon of old yesterday, going for 168 yards. He had one run of of 60 yards. You take that away, he still has uh, over 100 yards and averaging about seven yards a carry, eight yards a carry, uh, and he ran all over a, a Titans defense too, a good Titans defense. And so then th- those two are run teams then you face the cardinals who probably have a healthy rondell Moore back um and a healthier or Ertz who played a little banged up probably wouldn't have if it weren't for rondell if i had to take a guess then you play go go against the 49ers like you said they'll they'll run against anybody and on anybody and i mean trey may put up 100 rushing yards as a quarterback against us then you go into the rams who did not look great on thursday night but they're the defending Super Bowl champions, and I'd love to see how we block Aaron Donald. And then the Bucks and and Tom Brady, who they're a better team than us. The offensive line problems aside, the first chance if you can't win in, against the Giants and the Saints, the first chance I see for a win after that is the Falcons in Week Eight. I'll say the issues that I saw offensively yesterday, they can be cleaned up. They can be schemed better um, with establishing the run, the batted balls. That that can be fixed. So offensively, I think we're in a good spot, a much better spot than we were last year. Defensively, the secondary is what it is. I mean, it's it's the strength of this defense. That's what we said you know, last week when we talked about the team, when we talked about the season preview. But if you don't fix the front seven, at least from a schematic standpoint, then you don't stand a chance at winning next week because the – I mean, the Browns may have had better weapons uh, at wide receiver than than the uh, the Giants do. I mean, that's just Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, you're facing a, a Giants team outside of Saquon. They lost Evan Ingram. Uh, I really probably couldn't even tell you who their starting tight end is right now. And then you look at the receiver, Wandale Robinson left yesterday, uh, yesterday's game early. Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, which he doesn't seem like he knows how to play football anymore. And then Brian Dabble refuses to give Kadarius Tony snaps, who is there, the one playmaker on the perimeter that I would be worried about if he actually got on the field. So, yeah, it's going to be more of the same of this week where 
Brian Debel is a very smart offensive mind. So he's going to relay that that information to their their game plan and he's probably going to scheme up some good stuff for Saquon. So if you and if you can't stop the run next week, Saquon is going to go for 160 150 yards and it's not going to be good. The Panthers opened up as two and a half point underdogs today. I think that number gets higher. Um and and to come full circle here, talk some fantasy football. If you've got Saquon Barkley, I'd start him this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no shit. <laughs> they, uh, not not just from a fact that he's the number one running back, but I'm saying I I expected a good week from Saquon. Look, and this team's got bigger issue. Matt Matt Rule has connections to the Giants. Previously, uh, he was by all accounts out there his their front runner before Tepper came into the last hour and outbid them for Matt Rule. Matt uh, Rule, the next Nebraska head coach. And then he went to New York last year and lost to a Joe Judge-led Giants team. Joe Judge is does not have a job as a head coach in the NFL anymore. They, you, don't get to gloss, you don't get to gloss over that one. Come on, let's touch on it. Matt Rule, Nebraska, next head coach? No, it'll it'll be the, the, the smoke right now is Coastal's coach. Um, as much as I would love to send Matt Rule out to Nebraska, uh, it's the perfect job for him. I, I'm sorry, I had I had to do it. I had to mention him. Um, but I mean, if they lose this week and go zero and two, you know he's going to be on the phone. You know he's going to be checking in on it. It's the zero and two does not get him fired. Zero and three does. I'll yeah, say but he he gets to zero and two. He's checking. He's he's putting some viewers out there. He's wanting to know what what the pulse of that Nebraska job is. I. I don't I don't know. Matt Rule can survive it because he survived this long, and Dave Tepper's got his pride, um, and doesn't want to admit that he made the wrong hire. I would love nothing more than Matt Rule to turn this thing around. And we've talked about that over and over again. And trust me, I just want to win football games at this point. I, I do not care who the head coach is. We haven't had playoff football here in almost half a decade. And um, the reason I'm like this is I don't think Matt. I don't think we have the team and I don't think Matt rule is the coach that will do it. I think you've got a better chance with Wilkes and McAdoo. I really, and you can say like, you don't care who the coach is when the results continue to be like this. And that's how many one possession games did we lose, lose last year? And we're uh, starting, we're, well, I think it was seven. I think it was seven. Yeah. We went. Yeah. Through and, yeah, and and here we are, O for our last eight total, and we lost seven one possession games last year and one this year. It's a it's a coaching thing, it's a scheme thing, it's a player like having your players ready for the game thing. It's just it is it comes back to this staff as a whole that rule put together, and the two people of this staff that aren't really rules guys that are just basically he was forced to bring in some guys with some NFL experience in Wilkes and. McAdoo hand the team over to them and you may I mean at that point it's going to be too late but you may be able to put together an end of the year that kind of turns the tide going into next year that's 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 what I'm saying I think well I mean if he hasn't you know if anybody's not fully out I think a loss to the Giants would would do that I mean I'm, I'm dreading what a loss to the Giants makes Bank of America look like when the Saints come in here uh, it's already going to be half gold. So at least that's just on a normal. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't 
like using the word must win this early in the season, but I'll, I'll harken back to when Ron Rivera couldn't get those one score games to go in his favor. Starting in 2013, they, they lost to, to Buffalo week one on the last second uh, touchdown by EJ Manuel. Started off 0-2. You come, the Giants came in here. Jerry Richardson's down on the field on his golf cart in pregame. He's watching warm-ups, making his presence known. Pretty much everybody in the world knows that if Ron loses that game, he's fired. They don't. They end up turning around. They blow out uh, the Giants. I believe they stacked Eli Manning like eight, seven, eight times. Turn the whole season around. That was the last time, I think, as far from a coaching perspective, you really knew it was a must-win, and I think – like I said, I don't think Matt Rule gets fired at 0-2, but I think this Giants game is a must-win if there ever was one for him. Uh, because if you go 0-2, then at some point you're probably going to lose the locker room, even though that they all like to say that, you know, uh, he cares about his players and that, you know, there's no issues there, which maybe the case, sure, that's fine. But you're definitely going to lose a fan base if you start 0-2 because that's – with what's coming into town, that's not easy to recover from. And once again, we talked about winning those games that you're supposed to win, and this is another one of those. Yeah, so we talked about it. The first three games were winnable games, and the schedule got tough, and you, you kind of had to capitalize to even have a chance, man. And, and you lose probably – maybe not the easiest, but – at least the second easiest because the Giants may have been the easiest looking at it. Um, the Saints won't, the Saints won't be a cakewalk that never will be, never has been. So, um, I tell you that the Panthers are before the season start, they start out two and one. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I think that they got cupcake wins over Cleveland and New York, and then the Saints beat them. That's probably what I think. If, if I'm being completely honest, looking at the schedule. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, that's, that's what you would think. You would think they started out 2-0 and and then lost to the Saints. And we started 3-0 and last year, and we, we all know how that went. We won two games the rest of the season. I would bet, if, if I could find a line on this somewhere, I'd bet a lot of money that we don't end up 2-1. and one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anything guys, else? You- guys, I'd – I don't – I hate being like this as a fan. I, I truly do. I, I, I'm i sure there's people listening that at this point think I might not even be a Panthers fan. I am. I'm just tired of this shit. And I, I reached my breaking point with Rule last year. Um, and so uh, when you guys reach it, if you haven't, let me know. Um, Look, we, I, meet, I, I, we, we meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. to just talk about Matt Rule. So. I, th- I think everybody's tired of it. I, at this point, I don't want to self-sabotage another season of saying, man, I hope we lose or, or things of that nature. I just I, I want to see games. If he gets let go at the end of the season, fine. That's completely different. If, if we get to that 8-9, 9-8, whatever, it, I just – I'm not at a point where I want to lose games and keep losing games just to get him out of here anymore. Those, those days are that's, that's over. That ended last year. Last year was the chance to do that. And and it didn't, it didn't happen. So at this point, I, I don't care. Like I said, I just want to win some football games because I've seen enough of this shit at, at 10 and 24 
to let it prolong and be 10 and 28 or whatever the case may be. Sure, if, if, if it's a byproduct of, of him getting fired because we, we do lose games, whatever. But I don't want to go into it saying, man, I really hope that we don't, we don't win this weekend. That, because that shit's contagious. I mean, nobody wants to come to a, a team where – and right now, now we have a hard enough time in, in getting – you know, tracking that. And that's where I'm at with, with the, the wanting it to happen swiftly. I think you can turn it around. I, I really do, especially with that stretch in the middle with Denver, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Falcons twice. If you can get – if you can turn this team over to someone else before then and turn that team around, you can you can change a culture just like that. We've seen teams that fired their coach turn around and be pretty decent the next year. You get the right candidate in there after turning the, the locker room culture around – because you fired the guy early enough. You didn't let it ruin the locker room for the whole season. I think this team is too damn talented to start off 0-3. It's very real possibility. And I think if you do, you cannot let him coach another game. Yeah, you're right. You're right. 0-3, 0-3 is, is the breaking point. I think that's where you need to get worried. I mean, look, do I think – do I think 0-3 happens? I will say no because I think that some adjustment has to has to be made before it just in, in all in all honesty, I think we end up one and two. If if, if look, looking at it right now, I think we beat New York, and that's the game that saves him long enough. We lose to New Orleans, and then the, that 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 stretch of games after that, that four games is tough. And whether uh, we're a better team or not, whether we're a better team or not, that that was I was looking at it thinking three and four through the first seven was probably our our likely scenario going three and zero oh and then zero oh and four. You you look, I mean, yeah, San Francisco didn't look good yesterday. Um, by all accounts, that's got, that's the weather. Arizona looked rough. Uh, I mean, Mahomes had his way with them. Greg Dortch from Wake Forest led a former Panther too. Uh, led Arizona in rece- receiving yards yesterday. Arizona's played yesterday without Rondell Moore. They played without DeAndre Hopkins, who was serving suspension. Uh, Zach Ertz was banged up one in the game. He did play. That offense outside, I mean, outside of, I guess you say, Kyler and James Conner is not in a good position. So you really don't have an excuse on that that game. I mean, so, so those games do look a little bit easier right now on paper. But if, uh, I mean, they could either either easily go the other direction. You could easily lose those back-to-back just as easy as you could win them. Yep. Um, anything else you want to touch on as far as the this Browns game goes? No. Um, I'm ready to watch good Panther football again. I watch it, whether it's good or bad. I watch it every week. Um, but I'm ready to watch good Panther football again. Until that last drive by the Browns, that fourth quarter was really fun last yesterday. I will say that. Oh, oh yeah, that was a lot of fun. and And – I'm, I, every single time we would score or kick a field goal, I'm, I'd send in the group chat, just get a stop. Stop the run. Like the, that's all you got to do is stop the run. Every single time, Chubb hey. for 12, Chubb for 10, Kareem Hunt for 12, Kareem Hunt for 10. Just like, good Lord. I will say they did a better job in the fourth quarter of stopping the run. That's when you started to see the linebackers actually make more tackles, but that's a lot of that's due to Cleveland scheming runs up the middle versus running to the edges. Uh, so I think that did play into effect too. 
also they were still just trying to run out the clock. They were trying to take as much time as possible. So uh, all that factored in, but also I will say that the ability to stop the run looked a lot better in the fourth quarter. I think they stopped them pretty damn good there for stretches, which, you know, resulted in the back-to-back scores. Then, you know, everything kind of fell apart on that last, uh, that last series officiating or, or not. You just, you can't beat yourself. I don't want to bring out the, the DBO sign theoretically here, but we, that's what, I mean, we did between the bobbled snaps, the, the holding penalties, the penalties in general, that separates the, the good teams right there. From how, the rest how about the 15 yard penalty on your head coach too? Early in the game. You didn't see that? Nope. On fourth down for on third down for us, the the drive we punted and then then they huddled in the field. It's because the Matt Rule was on the field and tripped the ref. They throw a flag? Yeah. 15 yards. It was and they called it dead. They called it, they were like, they allowed them to decline it, but then they're like, no, 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 it's dead ball. You get the yardage and the down. So yeah. He ran into the ref. Matt Rule did. Don't, so, know, how, don't know how I missed that. Yeah, it was early. It was when we were punting from our own end zone, um, probably first quarter. I can't remember. Maybe it was second, but yeah. I tweeted out about it to don't beat ourselves. I'll have to go back and watch the, watch the replay. I'll have to watch the game replay again. I missed it on the first time through. Um Anything you want to touch on for the Giants game? We'll, we'll, we may end up spending an, an episode that later this week on just the Giants if Corey's available. Otherwise, we'll just let this roll. Uh, mainly, the main things is just going to be stopping them on on defense. I think that, or excuse me, just stopping the run. Uh, it's going to be the same same thing every week. Uh, if NFL coaches watch film, which they do, they're definitely going to scheme things up same way that, that Cleveland beat us. And when you have Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal out there and you can, you know, run to the edges, run to the sidelines and gain seven, eight yards, you're going to do just that. Cause they don't yep. have the, the wide receivers or the quarterback to beat us. It was the third drive. Yeah. Not, not sure how I missed that at all. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right. Well, sorry for being so uh, negative on this episode. We'll be a little bit more optimistic as soon as the uh, the wins <laughs> start coming in. I obviously, no, all kidding aside, yeah, uh, wouldn't be so down if we allowed less than 200 yards rushing. But, Phil Snow, uh, need to see something more out of you. That's where I'm at. Uh, Wes probably overall wants to see more out of anything. Uh, that doesn't involve Matt Rule. Yeah. I mean, and, and if, if you'll notice, I said we give the team to Wilkes and, and McAdoo. I mean, Snow can, can leave right with Matt Rule. That's part of the point there. Um, and, I mean, you've got to have a staff left, but Snow is the other person that can just get right on out of the room when that happens. Um, but, yeah, I, I really hate being that guy. And, and I said last week in talk, talk – after the the preview episode that I felt like I was too pessimistic on the team and, and too down on the team. Um, and I tried to, to close it with, with some positivity. Um, but, but man, it's hard to be positive about this team right now. 
about this. Yeah, I'm not trying to go full blown overreaction. I mean, you, you, if you fix the run issues, then my attitude changes a hundred percent. Yeah. I, I see where the offense can be good. I see where the offense can, in no way do I think this offense has a ceiling. Even if you win this game in no way, do I think this offense has a ceiling that gets you past that, that nine and eight th- threshold that, that, we talked about, I think you're still that eight, seven, eight, nine win team. Um, if the defense can figure this out and you can steal one now, I, yeah. it, it's still very possible if you turn it around and then beat these giants that, that, that you're a seven win team, eight win team. But I am of the mind that I do not think a Matt role, a Matt role coach team will turn it around at this point. I, I just, I, I don't. Look, I, I would be much more optimistic from a defensive side if, the run issues obviously weren't continuing over from last year. That was the issue, you know, late down the stretch last year. You had all offseason the scheme for this. You knew it was coming. Uh, I, I get it. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they're two of the best running backs in, in the NFL. Uh, Kareem Hunt goes to another team. He's a 1,200, 1,300-yard rusher um, and he's going to give you more in the passing game. He's probably a 1,500-yard all-purpose back. Which is crazy, and that, and that's their backup. But but yeah, not to take anything away from what those guys did yesterday, but we did ourselves no favor. Not trying to be full blown overreaction. It, it does take these thing these teams, you know, a couple weeks to get rolling. I mean, you look at Tampa Bay when when Brady rolled in there, they didn't come out the gate, you know, winning games left and right. They struggled early on. Um, right now, Denver's losing to to Seattle going into the fourth quarter. So these things do take time. I I get that. Well, I'm not. It's not a knock on, you know, the offense. I think the offense showed some signs there in the fourth quarter, like I said, uh, uh, to, for me to be very optimistic. You get McCaffrey more snaps and you um, you, you actually try to establish your run and, and don't get behind in a time of possession, that, that can be fixed. You know, you play your strengths of your team, which run, run blocking is better than pass blocking. So I think you should establish that early on, open up the passing game. Just make the changes on, on defense, and I, I, I want to see what happens with this team. Uh, I, I think give yourself a fair shot. But you you have an opportunity here going into New York on the road for a chance to put it all together and and, and make a statement. You know, a, a blowout win or a, shit, a, a touchdown win goes a long way here in, in turning things around early on and controlling it before things get out of hand. But like I said, defensively, I am very low right now. On, on Phil Snow. And it's just from a schematic standpoint, really. I mean, the talent's not going to change overnight. You knew what you had, and you just didn't scheme it up well. And you have yourself to blame for that. You didn't You didn't improve anything. That's, that's, that's where I'll leave it at. Not, I'm not out, not pessimistic at all. I'm not overreacting. Offense showed a lot defensively. That's just what I need to see. Yeah, I'm pessimistic. I wouldn't say I'm overreacting because it's the same I've been for quite some time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it is just. So I'm trying. I'm trying tough. to be level-headed. I'm not trying to let the full fan take over. Man, it's tough sometimes. But uh, at this point, firing me, calling for the head coach to be fired every week after a loss is just going to make me more and more pissed when I'm spending my money on this product week in and week out. Yeah. And, and I mean, and to me at this point, it's not even so much about getting him out the door. Like I said, it's that I think the two that would be given the role could 
possibly turn this ship around. And I, I truly believe that you can, you don't have to believe me when I say that, but I think from what I saw with the scheme from McAdoo and what I know of Wilkes, I truly think they can turn it around. I guess we'll get more, uh, more answers after this weekend, whether good or bad. We'll see how it shakes out regardless. I, I, I hope I, I hope I am wrong. Yeah, I, would, I, would, I would love to be wrong. I said it all offseason. I, I would I would love for Matt Rule to make me look like the biggest fool and to hear some groups out there on Twitter make me realize that I don't know what I'm talking about. Would love it. But until I see it, uh, there's going to be – I'm just going to ask for more. I mean, shit, at least we got players that are – willing to risk the fine when the head coach won't. I mean, I'll say that. I mean, just show me show me some attitude. Show me that you care. Look at Arthur Smith yesterday when he said, oh, everybody talked junk about us this offseason. You counted us out. Keep counting us out, this and that. And he walked off. Like, give us that. I'm not, it's probably not your personality at this point. I know it's not. But, I mean, damn, give me some, some passion. Stand up for your guys in the locker room. Don't just say, well, you know, that they missed the call and that's that. I mean, damn, give me something. That's, that's my only complaint there. Year three. It's the pivotal year for him. So we'll find out real quick if uh, that's going to be the case in the NFL or if Matt Rule is going to be packing his bags and heading to the cornfields of Nebraska. I'll say this, whether it happens early or it happens late, it's playoffs or bust for him. Yeah, I mean, Tapper can sit there and watch the product on the field, but he's got nobody to blame but himself if uh, if he's tired of it. I mean, like I said, it's it's his money. He can spend it however he wants to, but sooner or later you're going to end up losing uh, a lot more because those seats in the stadium are going to get less and less full. Are they, though? The, the visiting team shows up. No oh, well, yeah, what it I mean, seems. You know. <laughs> and they're, they're trying to appeal to the people to not sell your seats by initiatives like uh, if you show up to more than six home games, you get invited to an autograph day for PSL owners. Um, How do they know it's you and not someone you sold your ticket to? If you if you sell your tickets, you don't get credit for it. Oh, they, they can track. Well, I guess they can track the barcode ah. if it's transferred or not. So that's how they'll they'll track it, but yeah, that, yeah, that's that's the initiative they have right now to stop home fans from selling their tickets to away fans. So we'll we'll see if that works. I doubt it will, but you know, hey, at least you're trying. You spent you spent money on a uh, a little, you know, those things you see at the uh, the car lots. Uh, they wave back and forth. Yeah, we had an inflatable one at the start of the fourth quarter yesterday uh, that went loud, louder, loudest. And then, you know, when it got fully inflated, it just collapsed and they hauled it away. So we spent money on that versus <laughs> versus things that matter. Um, keep pounding chants back, uh, but the audio is awful. It's off sync. There's probably a eight second delay between keep and pounding. So that throws the crowd off as well. You could just literally do away with the audio and just put the sign up there and let the fans control it. But hey, uh, spend that marketing money however you want. Um, that's it's not mine. I'm just I'm just here to give feedback on the game day experience for for Daddy Tap and give us black end zones back. I'm tired of asking. Yeah, it maybe hey, maybe that comes for the Saints game. I, I saw that they uh, held off on paint 
uh, due to it not having enough time to dry between the tsunami on Saturday and the Charlotte FC game. Uh, and that's why they went with the white. So, because they had painted the uh, 10, 20, 30 yard lines. They were, it was actually on the field when Charlotte FC was playing yesterday or on Saturday because they had to do it early enough or else they couldn't get it to, to stay. So we'll see if the black ends will actually come back. I didn't think they looked terrible with the white. Uh, the midfield logo looked really cool. Uh, I'll give them that. The end zones, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't like seeing that green turf at all. So please try to paint it black. That's, it. That's about all I got on the game day side of things. Um, not as many Browns fans there yesterday as I expected. Honestly, I expected a little bit more. I think they were kind of expecting disappointment as uh, more than we were um, on that I last that, I think they're just prepping for next year, to be honest. Browns fans are. Yeah, they're, yeah. They, re they realize this is a lost year. The rapist joke started at the on the way out. I didn't really hear anything on the way in. Um, a lot of fans, Browns fans, were not nowhere to be found during that last drive. Uh, they showed Luke on the screen when he was in the radio booth in the crowd, obviously chanted Luke. Uh, there was a, probably like a 50-year-old Browns fan next to me. Uh, turned around, asked who was that on the screen. When I responded, Luke Keekley, he asked another guy, who is he? <laughs> so, as a football fan, I don't know how you do that. That was the end of that conversation. Didn't even get a response. I don't think they, the guy who he asked, I don't think he responded at all either. So, uh, that gives you an idea of, of what's coming into the stadium. But Yeah, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of comment about some of those Browns fans. I don't know if anybody saw those T-shirts that some of them were wearing, but I'm, I'm, I'm all good on all that. A guy yesterday, had a, uh, he had a white T-shirt with a Sharpie drew on it. It said, I stand with massage therapists. And on the back, it said, Deshaun is a piece of shit. That's a good one. But the one that I saw, it was um, – it was – I'm not going to repeat what it said on the back, but I'm sure you guys have seen the picture. If you haven't, go look for it. If you would like to see um, what a terrible piece of shit Browns fans are. Yeah. All right. Uh, that Yeah, that does it from week one. Uh, hopefully we're back in better moods, better spirits next week uh, as the Panthers take on the Giants this Sunday in New York. Closing comments, anything you want to share before we get out of here? Let's get a win, man. Prove me wrong, Matt. Prove yeah. me Matt Rule. wrong. There's a guy out there named Wes Harrison. He's on this podcast. You probably don't ever listen to it. You don't have a have an idea who it is. He has no idea who we are. Just, just prove to, me wrong. Prove me wrong one time. I want please. you to prove him wrong and win a football game. What do you say, Matt? A little effort here. It's your day. Nobody better than you. Brew is wrong. Yeah, maybe a few, but. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Ron Rivera's got it figured out in Washington, damn it. Scott Turner can call some plays. Curtis Samuel's not getting hurt. He's going for 70 yards and a TD. Good for Curtis. What do you say, Rule? Shut us up. I'll be the first to admit I'm wrong if he proves me wrong. I just don't think he will. Well. He's got six days to come up with a hell of a game plan. Hey, Matt, tackle Saquon. That's the plan. Crowd, just, just load up the box. 
Make Daniel Jones beat you. How about that? Danny Dimes, baby. Before Tyrod comes in there and takes his job. Then we have we can have a Browns duel of former starting quarterbacks. Tyrod against Baker. That'll be an exciting NFL game. This has gotten off the rails. I know. We're gonna wrap it up. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just yeah, make Daniel make Daniel Jones beat us. That'd be that'd be real cool. Well, you should have made Jacoby Brissett beat you. I know you should have put eight, you should have put eight in the box. I think the secondary is good enough to stop that, but hey, maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. Kenny Galladay might go for 70 yards on us. Wouldn't that be something? He can go for one yard for every million that he's earning. That'd be 70 more than he had last week, I think. Probably 70 more than he had last season. 